0: Louder! Recording live from the Black Lodge, it's Rants After Dark with your host, Brandon A. Lane.
1: another episode of Rants After Dark. I'm your host, Brandon A. Lane, and joining me tonight is sometimes drunk, always fat, Fat Tony.
2: Hello! Here with beer in hand, ready to watch one of a movie that is beloved of me, and I know it's one of Brandon's all-time favorite horror movies. Yeah, tonight we're going to be watching the hellish collaboration between the twisted mind of
1: writer Stephen King and everybody's Favorite Undead Filmmaker. Ah, <laughs> uh, it made myself sad. George A. Romero. Now, we invite all of you out there in the Rant Army to pop in your DVD, Blu-ray, VHS, Laserdisc, or digital copy, and you're going to pause the movie right at the Warner Brothers logo. Then we're going to do a countdown. You will hit play when you say hit play.
2: It's that simple. Real quickly, I need to give a, a shout down to Travis Lasseter and tell him he can lick my balls. Exactly, Travis. Lick his balls.
1: That's not a. That's not a request. That's Maintain a
2: eye contact.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, just a reminder: you don't have to watch the movie with us. You get to watch the movie with us. Exactly. So, what we're gonna do? We're gonna do a little countdown from three. When we say hit play, what are you gonna do, Fat Tony? Hit fucking play. All right. In three, two, one, play. Creep show.
2: Fat Tony. It is. It's one of the most fun horror movies ever made. Oh, um, it's the first time I saw Leslie Nielsen do something serious. And that kind of did creep me out. Like the movie's not scary. It's good. Like pre Tales of the Crypt. You know, it's Tales of the Crypt's a rip off of, you know. Well, let's actually talk about creep shows. Let's
1: talk about that real quick. And uh, we're introing with our wraparound segment. We'll actually talk about this segment last uh, just because it's you know
2: intermittent throughout the movie, but do you know how Creepshow came to be? They tried to do Tales from the Crypt, and wasn't it the the people that made the movie in the seventies had there's like some film Yeah, uh, uh, Amicus uh, the the studio they had the rights. And- we have to interrupt. Tom Atkins sands mustache. Let's talk. We'll Tom talk about- Atkins does not shave. We'll talk about it oh, later. Okay. The CGI,
1: the CGI budget for this movie was astronomical. <laughs> to the CGI that uh, mustachioed magnificence upon his lip. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, Tales from the Crypt was a comic that was very popular back in like you know the 50s and 60s uh, by EC comics, entertaining comics. And the publisher was a gentleman by the name of William Gaines. William Gaines got into uh, a whole piss pot of trouble, uh, because of this yeah. gentleman by the name of, uh, Frederick Wortham, I think was his name. He wrote a book called seduction of the innocent, where he claimed that Batman and Robin were gay because there's a panel in they in, uh, a bed together. The book was a lot less sexy
2: than the title implies.
1: It's true. (laughs) But the long and the short of it is that they had this in front of Congress. They they had a testimony thing, kind of like the PMRC and you know the in the eighties, where you know uh, the rockers were fighting against the parental advisory you know label that eventually got put on music and you know, to basically told a generation of kids like, hey, buy this album because hell yeah, that's what because, I did because people don't want you to have it. But uh, this whole domino effect caused the Comics Code Authority to come into. Uh, being which was basically a self-regulatory panel you had to submit your comic to that and it it basically caused the the neuterization of horror comics in the you know basically the the pre-rebirth era of like the 70s and you know the late 60s and going into the copper era of the 80s and so on and so forth so what does this have to do with Tales from the Crypt? Tales from the Crypt was a very very popular comic during the time. In fact, it's it's sort of hailed as being, you know, the most important horror comic of all time. It's probably the comic equivalent of The Twilight Zone if you really think yeah, about it. Yeah, I guess a good analogy. And because of this regulatory stamp that you had to get on your comic, it sort of wiped them out for the longest time, but people hailed it as this, you know, amazing thing. Amicus in the was it the seventies they made uh Tales on the Crypt yeah, of like
2: Early and, to mid-seventies. And
1: I mean they're they're both
2: decent films. Uh they're they're uh they are no creep show.
1: They're no creep show. And
2: they're not re- they don't really hold the spirit of the comic. I mean, they're fun horror anthologies but you know they don't go they're pg movies they don't go balls out gonzo like the comic did oh absolutely not but i
1: mean be just like i made the twilight zone comparison twilight zone was really across the board a lot of different things one episode it would be horror one it would be sort of a drama it would be a western and tales from the crypt took a lot of inspiration from you know Film noir, and there were uh, crime stories. stories and war stories. So it was sort of all over the place, but that allowed for a lot of different stories to be kind of wrapped around in, in the whole thing. And when they wanted to do Creepshow, they being uh, George Romero and Stephen King, they wanted to make it Tales from the Crypt because they had this, you know, love for it for when they were. The age where, you know, you're really formidable and you, something just sparks your interest and it really shapes who you are, which, uh, Stephen King has gone on at length about how important Tales from the Crypt was in sort of spurring him in sort of the horror direction. But they were unable to get the rights, so they entitled the show Creep Show. Now, when they went to do uh, Tales from the Dark Side, it was supposed to be a creep show series, and they couldn't get <laughs> yeah. the rights to the name Creep Show. And so it's been a whole domino effect over the years. And then eventually the Tales from the Crypt series, which, you know, we love and adore, minus the final season.
2: And so, now to the creep, current creep, creep, show creep, on Shutter. creep Show on Shudder. Creep Show on Shudder, which is a varying quality, but it's, it's. When it hits it, it hits out of the park. But, you know, even the bad ones aren't horrible.
1: No, absolutely not. So our first segment here is Father's Day. Um, what's your verdict on Father's Day in, in terms I of the five story?
2: my... it's, I mean, it's, it's the least, but it does have Ed Harris doing his sexy dance. Oh, we're gonna talk we're gonna and, and, uh, about his dance. You know, I, I just normally they're t- they morality tales, but you know, the dead dad monster in this was a real piece of shit. He shouldn't get it. He shouldn't have his cake, but he damn well gets it. And indeed he does. So Father's Day was
1: based off of uh, nothing. This was specifically written for the movie. It's a, one of the couple of the stories that was not adapted from King's works. Do you think that this should have been... With having Stephen King involved, uh, do you think that they should have adapted only things he had written previously, or was it a good idea to bring something yeah, in? Yeah, I
2: mean, you got to bring something in fresh. Uh, I thought these, I, if I'm not mistaken, I thought, no, yeah, these are Stephen King things. My bad. So I was Because I know the second one is very, they're all Stephen King short story direct. People shit on... Creep Show
1: 2. I love it. I love Creep Show 2. It doesn't hold a candle to Creep Show 1. No, but it's
2: got the fucking late thing, man. Yeah.
1: An old chief wooden head. This oh, yeah. hair's going to
2: get me paid late. So a uh, uh, fucking uh what's his fucking name? Uh He was uh Zod in the Man of Steel. Ter terror- Oh, um plain a um, uh, fucking f- American indie or Native American. Yeah, um Michael Shannon. Yeah. Real offensive nowadays
1: so uh you just missed one of the through lines oh. of the movie I'm not sure if you're even aware of this but uh, she handed Ed Harris the ashtray do you know the symbolic nature of the ashtray no I don't it's so anthology films were not very popular during this time and one of the 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 ideas was to is sort of have this through line and I don't know that it even really comes across in the movie because until I was doing research for this, I had absolutely no idea this was even a thing. But the ashtray appears in all the segments. It's the... It's the it's <laughs> it's the, the wraparound character. It's the tie that binds everything together. I did not know that. Um, so Aunt Bedelia, who has uh, shown up late to this uh, festive thing... Um, Do you know? Do
2: you recognize her from anything? I I know the name. I know the face. I know she's been in some stuff. What is what? Her her name is uh, Vivica Linfers, and
1: she was okay. What probably many people would consider the greatest jump scare in the history of horror. Oh, Exorcist three with those giant medical the shears shears. Um that's that's her. And then, you know at the very end there's that awkward shot where she shows up at Kinderman's house and he tries to cut his daughter's yeah. throat and there's a weird like <laughs> zoom cut of it like getting yanked away. but um yeah, that that's her. she was also in Stargate. I couldn't tell you the movie or show the movie I'm ninety nine
2: percent one of the about. scientists in the background at the Earth side. But I knew I'd seen her face before. Yeah, the extra so that is one of the, the I'll still maintain that um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre has the best jump scare of all time. But I could also be be persuaded to hear an argument for that because it that did make me lose ass from seat. I want my cake. It's Father's Day. What do you think about these
1: sort of incorporating comic? Oh, I stuff love it. Yeah, like the, the panels,
2: the color palette. See, the color palette was one of the things I thought really missing from the Tales from the Crypt and the Horror movies. They're kind of washed out old, stodgy British movies. Good for what they are, but this brings the comic shit alive. This does it right. Where it's done bad, you get Ang Lee's Hulk. Oh. I don't. I don't begrudge. I, it was for, a good. Cho- I mean, it was a, it was it, a bold choice. It was it's a not cool, a great movie.
1: It was a cool idea. The movie sucks, and that stuff is ultimately distracting from the the shit story they were trying to tell. No. I think this enhances the story. So, uh, also in our lineup, we have our gentleman getting ready to get
2: knocked out by this ashtray. You go, girl. I don't. I don't blame you. Uh, fuck that dude. That is. Uh, I love cake. My name's Fat Tony, but I'd never flip out like that.
1: I also love cake. I would murder someone over cake, probably. Um, John Lormer is Nathan Grantham. Uh, he had a 30-year-plus career going back to the 1950s, and he continued working in TV and film up until he passed away in the 1980s. So he, uh, but all
2: that's important is this movie. Everything else of- he did is, is wasted. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> Now, later on, when he uh, arises from the grave, he's played by John Amplis, who a lot of people would know from many, many, uh, George Romero films, including he was the titular character in Martin. Oh, And shit. he was, uh, he was, uh, the wormy, uh, scientist with the glasses in Day of the Dead. Yeah. No. I mean, several, several movies. Um. We've got uh, Ed Harris as Hank Blaine, legendary character actor. That's you know, being understating it. You know, Apollo thirteen, A History of Violence, Pollock. He, uh, yeah, Pollock, yes, yeah, that was. Didn't he win an Oscar for that? Was he just nominated? I think he was just nominated. I think he was also no, uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Hey, for he Apollo also 13. got
2: to punch John, uh, James Cameron, <laughs> filming the best, and I don't blame him. I heard the story. Fuck that dude. Uh, James Cameron can be a little
1: tiresome in his demands uh, from from what I've gathered. I actually met um, Michael Bean several years ago at a, at a convention, and I asked him what it was like to, to work with James Cameron, and it was like, it's basically like play, playing Russian roulette. You're, you're the gun, Somebody's holding a gun at you the entire time, and they're just constantly clicking the trigger, and you don't know when the bullet's going to come at you, so... <laughs> Um, I thought, alcohol was, abuse. I thought that was a pretty, oh yeah, it is. Alcohol abuse is when you pour the alcohol on the ground.
2: This is what brings him back from the dead. He wanted to
1: tie, he wanted Jim to Bean? with Jim
2: Beam. And it
1: would take Jack Daniels to get me
2: back. Exactly. See, Jim Beam's like the dumb inbred cousin of good old Jack.
1: And there we have, uh, John Amplis. What do you think about this design?
2: I love it. It's perfectly comic book movie campy. The worms in the eyes. I fucking love it. The only thing that distracted me, like, I didn't notice it until years and years later, was how like the mouthpiece is enclosed. It doesn't go back. It's There's like the little cloth. I, I do think that's one of those things that... You had to do it. I get it.
1: Well, it's also the medium of film has changed so much and the clarity of... Yeah, you know, that's true. Blu-ray and streaming and everything. You're able to pick those things out.
2: And Hold on. I love it. Ed Harris. Ed Harris's dance, shaking his ass with his wife. The look in his eyes, like oh. I want to.
1: <laughs> I want to give a shout out to uh, to my to my buddy Matt Scott, who was obsessed with this, and he constantly when we were working together, he would do this Ed Harris dance. And do you you know that song uh, that came out a few years ago, "Moves Like Jagger." Yes. Yeah, that song's fucking terrible. Yeah, but he he, being Matt came up with this thing where he would say got the moves like Ed Harris got the
2: moves like <laughs> Ed Harris got the moves I mean for horror movie dances it's second only to uh, Crispin Glover Crispin Glover's Friday the 13th Part 4 well I was actually going to ask that like uh, the more iconic horror movie dance this is number two it's a great one and especially the hand above the head <laughs> head motion uh, goodbye uh, one of is it is it more iconic
1: than Linnea Quigley's dance? Okay, retirement? I
2: didn't add her into the mix. I was thinking of guys. It, no, Linnea Quigley, butt ass naked? Fuck no. The the graveyard. Crispin Glover. <laughs> I'm only talking about iconic, funny, but yeah, no, it's just, it's still pretty iconic. Linnea Quigley though. Um she ushered me into manhood that day. L- Linnea- that's the first movie I saw her nude in. Linnea Quigley, um,
1: my God! She, I mean, she's she's no spring chicken anymore. I would I would give anything to fucking break her pelvis.
2: I'd give anything to watch from the corner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and if that's what it took, if there had to if be that's a, what she's into. If I, there, I if won't there had to cheat be cheat on my wife. If there had to be a full film crew there. I mean, full like <sighs> stage lighting, and I had to be mic. I mean, put, naked, but they had to put a mic. You know, horror movie aerobics too. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would absolutely make that happen. So let's talk a little bit about what Creepshow did and when it came out. November 10th, 1982 estimated budget of $8 million opening weekend. It made $5,870,889 and a little bit tidbit of information. This movie's directed by the late, great George Romero, R.I.P., Creepshow is the only
2: film that Romero made that he did not write. I mean, but you know when you got Stephen King writing, you back away. I do want to say real quickly. It's also my favorite looking of his movies. Like it's not my favorite. It is not going to hold up against Dawn of the Dead, but he really went for the great comic book visual tone, and it just looks amazing. Well, that's an interesting point you're making
1: right there, and it really goes to show. Uh, how much that they loved Tales from the Crypt because this is so authentic to to the comic, whereas Romero was a master because he came from a documentary background, uh, not uh, industrial films and stuff like that, where he was going for a just a matter of fact, realistic tone, and this is such a hyper reality. It's so different than any of the other films he ever made. And because of that, I, I kind of hold it in the same regard, but for different reasons. If that makes sense, yeah. I wait uh, well, in the same regard as, as as like Dawn of the Dead oh. or you know Night of the Living Dead. Um, well, that's just a good a good transition. Where do you rank Creepshow in terms of George Romero's work?
2: Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, Creepshow. Uh, Day of the Dead, and then yeah, you know, the the other lesser's you know, Land of the Dead, Martin. Martin's great. Martin's one of those movies that if I'm in the right mood for it, it just hits all the notes I need. I think a Martin, seventies horror movie.
1: Martin, as well as several others of Romero's work, are are held up because of the rights holders just not wanting them to be <laughs> properly circulated. Um. And Martin has never been released on Blu-ray. It's got a it's got out-of-print DVD version. And Dawn of the Dead is another one that just recently there was like a European box set that had like a bunch of different cuts and stuff. And it didn't even come to America. Now, there, there may have been a small release that I'm just not aware of. But I don't even have it on Blu-ray. I have Dawn of the Dead on DVD because it's just so fucking hard to find. Yeah, I've got
2: the Steelbook or whatever.
1: But, uh, but Creepshow, thankfully, uh, this has been given you know, new life by Scream Factory, an excellent edition that uh, Romero was involved with before he untimely passed. But I think that, uh, I mean, we're watching a DVD copy because it was just easier to get to than the Blu-ray. And, I'm uh, not good enough for Blu-ray, is what he's saying. <laughs> I have the Blu-ray. I'm I have. i I'm also the person that keeps the DVD as well. It was the first one it came to. Guys, come on. You I can know. watch whatever video uh, outlet you have available to you, but we're we're slumming it with the DVD. <laughs> that being said, this is still a really, really oh, yeah, nice-looking film. Um, Creepshow is also the only Romero film to open at number one at the box office. And that's doesn't surprise me because if you go back to *Night of the Living Dead*, uh, that was mostly a drive-in film. So we talked about this in our *Texas <coughs> Chainsaw Massacre* episode. Vertical integration. Who knows exactly how much money that made? Probably more than any movie has ever made. Probably, maybe even just second to, um, ah, fuck, uh, the Civil War movie *Gone oh. with the Wind*. If you're really being honest about it, because it's one of those films that like people, they show it for free because it's in the copyright is lapsed and everything uh, because of some dumb decisions made on the fly. But we really don't know how much money it made. And then you look at like Dawn of the Dead, which was released. That was a great kill. Yeah. um, Which was released unrated and same thing with some of his other films. And he just he never really. Only on occasion dipped his toe into, like, studio filmmaking, and I guess technically th- this is not a studio film, but it was released wide because Stephen King was the It guy at the time. Ah,
2: double meaning. But I, Yeah, It... Did, did it come out in 81 or 85? I don't know. Creepshow? No, It. Killer Clown. Oh. Kills kids.
1: Oh. i just say, book? don't worry
2: about it. Yeah, it's... I'm not. It would have been. He was still a very hot property, having Stephen King.
1: Well, you got to think like this is like coming off of the success of of you know Carrie and uh, you know both in book form and in you know the De Palma film. So King King is in demand. You know, in the early '80s. Yeah. So, its total film gross: twenty one million. Twenty-eight thousand seven hundred and fifty-five dollars. Absolute runaway success. It more than doubled its its you know budget. But you got to think eight million dollars for a movie made in nineteen eighty-two. That's that's pretty low, or I mean, uh, pretty high. For yeah, a, that's really for high. a, for, a uh, for this kind of money. So it shows shows you that they were willing to throw that kind of money into this this project specifically because it was
2: Stephen King. The- I always love that panel where it's gag with three <laughs> exclamation points like a word instead of like the ugh, I don't know, the sound effect bubble just is off. I love these transitions from The from- Lonesome Death of jordy Vero. The
1: man himself. So Stephen King, obviously very, very talented writer. Um probably Bad actor and ugly face, but I love this one. <laughs> I was actually going to ask, like, it's what he looked like all coked up. Poor guy. He's, he he just just he's not an attractive human being, but he does. He, he has such an expressive face. He that really does. He's he's not a good actor, but he's very charismatic. I, I kind of equate him to like Arnold Schwarzenegger in a way, where given the right type of film. He could be fucking fantastic. Yeah. But you're not gonna put Arnold Schwarzenegger in Remains of the Day, and you're definitely not gonna put Stephen King in uh, a prestige film that is just escaping my my memory. Room. Not the Room. Not the greatest no, movie of all time, no, just Room. I, I would love to see The Room with, <laughs> with Stephen King.
2: You're tearing me apart <laughs> You bitch. <laughs>
1: So The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. This section of the film is based off of Stephen King's short story, Weeds. It was first published in Cavalier Magazine in 1976. We have Jordy Verrill being played by Stephen King. So what's your favorite Stephen King novel?
2: Oh, the the final Dark Tower series book, uh, book seven. Like, I, I read those books for years. I got into it right when he put out the third one, and then it was years for the sequel. And then he almost died before finishing the last two. <laughs> um, how disappointing was the Dark Tower movie? Beyond. Because yeah. I was actually fine with Idris Elba's casting. I thought Matthew McConaughey Matthew looked like he's having a good time. They tried to cram too much into one movie. Yeah, no, don't do it. Yeah, The, the original idea
1: was going to be like a, a film and then like a two. Season st- of a season yeah, yeah. of it. Yeah,
2: that's how they should have done that, it.
1: That would have made so much more sense. Um, what's your favorite Stephen King short story?
2: My favorite Stephen King short story is, um, well, it doesn't, that doesn't count. That's more of a novella, The Mist. But uh, there's, um, oh, Grey Matter. And they did that on Creep Show. the they, show. They did. That is my favorite Stephen King short story. Um, RIP to
1: James Caan. But my favorite Stephen King novel is Misery. Oh, hell yeah. It's, it's the only Stephen King novel I've read more than twice. I've read it twice, and that was, you know, a the second time was just more out of trying to reacclimate myself when the new movies were coming out. But I still say that it is the scariest book I've ever. read. It's written. the only
2: book to ever scare me, not keep me in suspense. He's a very suspenseful writer. The book genuinely unnerved and scared me. Oh man, I'm an avid
1: reader, but misery is the one of the few books I've ever read where, even though like I know what's going to happen, it's you have that feeling like. You know, if you wish it hard enough, something's going to change on the next page. You know. Yes. But it, it's that's a that's a nail biter, and Stephen King is such a well. Some people would say a detriment these days because he doesn't use an editor, but he's so good at painting a picture with his words and making the environment uh, basically feel like you feel like you're there. It's so descriptive, and I love Stephen King so much growing up. But I haven't read a Stephen King novel since. uh Oh crap! The the he did about the Kennedy assassination with a guy. Oh, 11:22:63. And I thought that was.
2: I love that. I cried. It was good until the ending. Okay, the Stephen King legendary. They always say he fucks up the ending. Yeah. I don't agree a hundred percent. He he even points that out in um, uh the yeah, chapter movie. two. Yeah. I um. No, I've read, I've even read, it's not his latest, I think he came out with like another book after, but The Institute, where all these psychic kids are getting kidnapped by a quasi-governmental agency to assassinate, it's fucking great.
1: Oh, by the way, this wrestling match, that is one of the head shrinkers, Alpha and Bob Backlund, and uh, this is being uh, the commentary, that is Vince McMahon, who uh, has been paying millions of dollars in hush money. To women because of uh, sexual favors quid quo pro is that what it's called? Yes, and uh, he got ousted from his uh, high level position in wrestling, which is a monumental moment. Oh, that
2: wasn't just him retiring. No, I just saw it. No. I, I don't keep up with wrestling. <laughs> no, now. no,
1: he got he got hardcore me too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't happen to a, a shittier t- cocksucker. Yeah, fuck, so good. Fuck you, Vince McMahon. Um. um What's your favorite Stephen King adaptation film wise? Oh fuck, it's gotta be Misery, man. I mean, that's one of the Misery or Um Stand By Me. And they're not neither really, strictly speaking, horror movies. I mean, I've I've seen all kinds. I mean, you have the amazing maximum overdrive. <laughs> he directed that not the only movie he directed Emilio <laughs> Bla- <laughs> Blasted out. Mighty of Duck Man. Oh.
1: I I personally carry um, it. I think it's the adaptation that's better than than the novel. Um, it's everything I could want out of a horror movie. Wait, what? what which one? Carrie. Oh, Carrie. You just like that shower scene. <laughs> I I do. Dirty pillows, breast, mama. They're called breast. <laughs> I I love Carrie so Carrie much. Carrie is great. And I, and like I said, I think it's the the adaptation is better than the actual source material.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll agree with you there. I, I always tend to forget. I've only read the book Carrie once, but the way it's done with like interviews later and yeah. the narrative, it's the movie's better. Well, it isn't even just that. Uh, Carrie is written the
1: character of Carrie like she's overweight, she's got bad skin, and and in a book that makes more sense because like you you're you're painting a picture like I said before of giving you sort of an out as to why she's an outcast by loving the film that Sissy Spacek I mean, yes, yeah, Sissy Spacek is not conventionally beautiful, but she's not unattractive. No. And yeah, you're right. And I think that, that that make I don't know, that just feels more real to me, because shitty teenagers are just shitty to other teenagers for sometimes no reason. Well, actually, just people are shitty to people for no reason. I should the mean, world is shit. That's true. <laughs> um. So, when preparing for this role, um, reportedly, George Romero sort of gave King some pointers and how he wanted him to portray this character. And I want to get your opinion on this. If you can see it coming uh, through the screen, but he was directed to play Jordy Verrill like Wiley E. Coyote.
2: Uh, see, this guy's very vocal and if I understand it's different mediums, but I can kind of see in the eyes sometimes, but Wiley Coyote in the midst of a crisis, yes, that just came across. But like Wiley Coyote's setting up a shit, he's smart. This guy's just a big knucklehead.
1: No, Wiley Coyote is not smart enough to catch the roadrunner, though.
2: He's smart enough to get money to pay for goods and services from the Acme Corporation.
1: Well, that's because he's a big uh, supporter of Amway and, <laughs> and multi-level media scams. That's what. That's the underbelly that. Um, <laughs> that Chuck Jones never told you about. There we go. No, the, the 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 people under the, <laughs> under Wile <the> E. <Lally> Coyote <laughs> that are propping him up, who have suffered from his uh, from his scams. Um, <laughs> I I love this performance. It's look at his eyes. Oh well, yeah,
2: he's great. I'm just the Wile E. Coyote thing. Wile E. one of my favorites. I'm a little insulted. He's more like he reminds me of an over animated. Um, uh, Lenny from *Of Mice and Men*, just a big dumb idiot, but he's not that. I mean,
0: he,
2: uh. well, he's pretty. I, that, that's actually a pretty good comparison.
1: Um, maybe, maybe someone should make that movie. Oh my god, you could get Joe <laughs> Joe Hill and um, <laughs> Joe
2: Hill and Stephen King to do,
1: <laughs> to do *Of Mice and Men*. Uh, it's poor Stephen King. He's he's such an unfortunate looking fellow, but he has such expressive eyes, and the performance comes
2: vodka. There you go, buddy. Uh, there's, that's no Taka. It's no Taka. Taka, the drink of champions and kings. Or, um... Middle-aged Tito, podcasters. Tito's handcrafted
1: vodka, when we can afford it. I, I, I love <laughs> making him
2: a screwdriver. I mean, if, if in this situation, is there anything else to do but drink and die?
1: Chub. I mean, if you're growing vegetation on your face, um... I don't know that I would be 100% to the point of suicide at this point, but I definitely would be drinking. But I would probably be drinking regardless.
2: Yeah. It's, hey, it's Tuesday. Time for my pitcher of <laughs> 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 the, the, I didn't do a... Uh, um, a drinking segment
1: for this episode, but there—that's your—that's your, that's your drink cocktail
0: screwdriver. The, the, the Ger- entire movie, the
1: Jordy Verrill uh, drink is that you pour a pitcher of orange juice
2: <laughs> in a bottle and, of vodka. And a a bottle of vodka. Don't even mix it; just drink it. Uh, you can take the liquor bottle and mix, as he did. <laughs> and then every time somebody drinks, drink. There's a lot of drinking in this movie. There is a lot of drinking in this movie. We're recording this at 10 a.m., so we thought it might not be the greatest time. To actually, to right now, it's, it's, a, like it's 11, 11. We uh, came in, so we just got a couple beers to sip through this. Yeah. If We sound too sober. I apologize. Yeah, this is probably the most sober that we're ever going to be, at least on one of these watch-alongs. Yeah. Drink a little more. I was in too big of a hurry. I forgot to get a pint of vodka. Uh, don't get it twisted. Had I not forgot liquor, we'd have done our three shots and drank. Because Brandon tries to be a responsible adult. It's my day off. If I is don't my, have adult responsibilities, I would be drinking.
1: Today is my day off as well, but I also have other podcasting-related duties tonight. I'm trying to cram. Oh, a lot at, are
2: you recording Wrestling Run? We're recording Wrestling I'm Run I'm staying later. here and jumping down to your bedroom to beat that bitch Travis Laster up. Talk shit on me. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, King. Let's drink to that. <laughs> well, let me crack open my, my third and final. <laughs> Brandon got me a Milner, it's not a marble, but it's Thor's hammer, bottle opener, and I am so fucking happy. I just, I used it on a screw top. I don't care. I still had to do it.
1: So, uh, while, while we're talking about- To room- whooping,
2: uh, tra- Careful there. Oh, Jesus. Nope, nope, nope. Good job. Party foul. Party foul right over near- Okay, it didn't get on the electronics. Oh, you're fine. This stuff's coated. Okay, over here. Clank. Fuck you, Travis Laster. <laughs> Fuck you, Travis Lassiter. I ever call my boy a Canadian. But congrats
1: on your marriage. And You want to know what's funny? We're what? supposed to record tomorrow, and then he realized we couldn't record tomorrow because it's his wife's birthday. I, okay.
2: He's he's a week into his marriage, and he's already fucking up. Uh, yeah, so it's, I'm glad you're able to get it done tonight. Uh, I probably won't be able to... To stay and beat his ass because I've got to go home and uh, sexually please my wife. You know, give her the little Mjolnir. So, because it's also her day off, too. But the sentiment remains, fuck you, Travis Laster, and, and might as well say, fuck you, Eddie. I mean, you did nothing wrong to me except Halloween 4. Fuck you. <laughs> so, what do you, what do you think the IMDb rating of Creepshow uh, is? Ah, six point three. you're close, man. Six point eight out of ten. I, that's I get that. I mean, some people. Some per- movies are objectives. This you have to like campy, good fun. That's that looks like hemp. Now it doesn't, but well, that's why he's being punished by God for being <laughs> smoking jazz and cabbage and <laughs> devil's that, devil's that, lettuce. That's
1: that's why he's so. Uh, his mental uh, capacity is reduced. That's it.
2: It damaged his brain like it absolutely scientifically does. This is just like that uh, that after school special where Helen Hunt <laughs> Yeah, I
0: can fly! <laughs>
2: PCP and jumps out the window. That is one of the few that one and the one where Ben Affleck is on roids are one of the few after school specials that I can remember all of it. It was great. I don't even know the one you're referring ben to. Ben Affleck very young uh, probably right, right before Mallrats, this is one of the last latter era schools, but gets on steroids and beats the shit out of his girlfriend. Oh, it's well. great. Good for you, King. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not advocating road rage and uh, abuse of a, of a woman. Or anyone, but, you know, in a movie, it can be hilarious. It's very over-the-top acted.
1: Well, we just had Stephen King commit suicide um, by blowing his plant head off with a double-barrel shotgun. I love it. Uh, We're about to have, I think there's a shot of, there it is, Castle Castle Rock.
0: Rock.
2: Did you ever watch the Castle Rock series? I I didn't finish season two. Something came up and I started watching. I enjoyed it, but season one I fucking loved.
1: It it got canceled. Oh, I know. And season two had Lizzie Kaplan playing Annie Wilkes. Yep. Which was a nice little tie-in of, you know, Misery once again. So our, our next story is Something to tie You This over. is my
2: favorite. This is, out of all the stories, this one's my favorite. Uh, this is the, like I said, I grew up on Naked Gun and fucking airplane. And I didn't see this. I was honestly, I wasn't super. I wasn't, I saw this movie after Texas Chainsaw Master. So I was probably like 10 or 11. So I'd already seen like Naked Gun and Leslie Nielsen as a serious. And also in part two, another one of these cheating spouse kind of thing. My favorite segment in that is The Ledge. That's, this is, this is
1: almost the same setup. Yeah,
2: it's really very much the same setup.
1: It goes to show that Stephen King um, is, is able to kind of take the very similar idea and
2: spin it off into different directions. Well, hell, he wrote those two flip side books, Desperation and the Regulators. One is Stephen King. One is Richard Bachman that take characters to like Like he basically remixed his own shit into two completely different things. Mm-hmm. Both very good books.
1: Uh, Leslie Nielsen plays Richard Vickers, and I've, like Fat Tony said, best known for the Naked Gun trilogy, also Airplane, which is either one A or one B funniest films ever made. With um, uh, crap, the uh, Blazing Saddles. Uh, I think that to me, like you could really make the argument either one of those is the funniest
2: of all time. Yeah, you can't put me on the spot and ask. Yeah, no, there it's it depending on what way the wind is blowing. But Leslie Nielsen was also in a film
1: called Prom Night with a, an actress you may be familiar with by the name of Jamie Lee Curtis, who was in Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd, who was in Ghostbusters. You just got busted. Yep,
2: I was waiting on it.
1: Uh, oddly enough, Leslie's co- co-star in The Naked Gun, who uh, George Kennedy uh, would appear in Creep Show too, he's the old man that gets killed in the convenience store uh, by the get, my hair's gonna get me
2: paid and laid. Hey, I had great long hair back in high school. I, I can't attest to paid, but, you know, it helped get me laid. You did have beautiful hair. Yeah, my, my wife's making me grow it out. She's not making me. She asked me to, and it takes 18 months, and I'm still in there. Basically, a guy at my work said, I love the young Thomas Jefferson thing you got going, and that really went inside my head and I, lives there now. I hope you I hope you beat him. <laughs> it was too clever. <laughs> Well, that just makes it
1: even worse. You just let that seed seed inside of you. And I'm going
2: to let the anger build. And when it, when, the,
1: when the when the seeds of anger sprout in your gut, I want you to, to give the rise to the tree of rage. You you grab him by his ankle and then you gorilla whip him until <laughs> until he's fucking in a bloody spot on the ground. So, oddly enough, for my generation, your generation, this is this is kind of flies in the face of what we know. Of Leslie Nielsen however he started off as a dramatic actor a serious dramatic actor what do you think about
2: him as a dramatic actor I've seen some other stuff and he's he's a fine actor but there will always be the stain of Frank Drebin and the doctor from uh airplane tinting everything I've ever seen him in everything no matter how good it's always you know I'm Waiting for a I Am Serious and Don't Call Me Shirley. The I, greatest deadpan deliberate joke in any movie ever. Oh, I, absolutely.
1: Everything he says in that movie is quotable. Yes. And, I mean, I would probably apply that to The Naked Gun as well. Uh, it, the, the third
2: one in a less sense. Well,
1: I'm speaking specifically about the first movie. I like the sequel, too. I mean, I like all three of them, but the first movie is near perfect oh god yes very very close to being perfect priscilla presley should have gotten oh my god priscilla presley in the sequel when she had red hair fuck yeah that is that is that is top level strange right there if you could get it (laughs) good on you elvis for hitting that underage (laughs) poon oh yeah by the way uh, elvis
2: was a pedophile ah fuck him (laughs) (laughs) he died on a toilet damn drug addict no, he didn't. He swapped places with an impersonator oh, I'm and fine. lived in a nursing home You're and right. fought a mommy. I apologize. With Black JFK.
1: <laughs> Bubba yeah, that The the man he switched places with was an Elvis impersonator by the name of Sebastian Half. <laughs> and he died on a toilet from a drug overdose. <clears throat> Too many banana uh, peanut butter banana sandwiches. Those are good, though. Well, they do call you Fat Tony for a reason. Uh, I, ain't, I ain't twisted with it. So, do you think that some people, I mean, I guess we've sort of already answered this, but, like, when when people that are not aware of his dramatic roles see him in a movie like this, d- did you have
2: problems seeing him as a villain? Yes, but it, made, it they made this more effective. I didn't have a problem. I'm like, it was just so against type that it made his basic petty comic book, you know, cheated on husband, gonna be a piece of shit. Gave it a harder edge than it should. It's like if Mister Rogers like put out a gangster rap out. Like he should have. He should have. It'd been great. I mean, he's there's an episode where he break dances. Uh, <laughs> I don't even care if that's true. or It really 100 percent ends in my mind. It's I, one of the greatest things ever. He just kind of does that wave thing and sends it back to the little boy. But uh, <laughs> it, it, like uh, like a. Uh, eight, Parental advisory, explicit lyric, rapper, that's like me seeing Frank Drebin kill his wife and her lover. And that necklace, that, that's always... I only noticed that, I think, this past time watching it on Shudder, prepping for this. What the hell kind of weird-ass early 80s, late 70s necklace is that? Uh, you got to put the bait out there and see what's biting. That's, that's his magical amulet. That's what... It, it gave it... It granted him the wish of getting revenge, but like a monkey's paw wish, it brought them back to life. So it's subtext. (laughs) Ted Danson
1: at this point is a huge huge star. Has was Cheers on in eighty two? And but he's he's still he's the up and coming Oh yeah, you know, guy. See I only know
2: him for Cheers, Becker and I fucking love The Bad Place. Three
1: three Men and a Baby. Oh, yeah, duh. Uh, he's best known as Sam Malone in Cheers, uh, Three Men and a Baby, where he played one of the three men. And the three men and the little lady. <laughs> no one talks about that. <laughs> it's bad. We don't talk about that in the Black Lodge. <laughs> Do you remember uh, in Three Men and ba- in the Baby were, for years- The Ghost. The
2: Ghost. Yeah, the cardboard cutout. Yeah. I saw that. Like, me and my buddy from church school, Cody Morlock, we go- I'd stay, I'd go to his house, like, Saturdays after church, and after sundown, like, his dad would take us to Video West, because he lived in the west side of town, and they had the five for five, and we rented that one to because he'd heard of it, and, like, we gotta find it, and we scared the shit out of ourselves. <laughs> like, we were fucked up the rest of the night, and then we were also just beginning our pretentious movie phase, so we had, like, some Alfred Hitchcock, and, um lesser alfred hitchcock Some, like spy thriller shit he did but uh like yeah like we both like woke up like super early neither one of us wanting to admit it was a nightmare from the cardboard cutout and three men and a little baby fucking necklace man it's cursed <laughs> that's why this happens do you think i know
1: he he basically never had to audition for a role ever again because he had done so much comedic chops, you know, and the naked gun kind of propelled him yeah. into the, you know, an airplane. But do you think that he missed out on a more
2: serious career in pursuit of comedy? I have actually, and I might be making this memory up, but I think I remember some kind of interview thing in a magazine where somebody kind of asked him that question and he's like, you know, he loved dramatic acting. It's fine, but why not You know, make your living and enjoy getting to be silly.
1: Well, speaking of that, one of the things that Leslie Nielsen was known for on the set is sort of, you know, because working in a film is is not easy. I mean, we have Ted Danson buried up to his fucking, you know, head in sand right now with a crab two feet away from his, you know, or two inches away from his nose. He just kicks that motherfucker. (laughs) Fuck you, ASPCA. (laughs) I'm going to eat you in a minute. Animals were harmed during the making of this movie. (laughs) But... To keep everybody's spirits up, he would he had this fart machine. It was like a <laughs> like a it was like a like a little electronic thing that had a a record, pre recorded sound. He push a button, it would make fart noises, and no, he wouldn't tell anybody he had it. He would just do it, and then people would you know it would break the tension, and everybody would have a laugh. And by all accounts, he was a really really nice guy. I couldn't imagine hating Leslie Nielsen.
2: Now, even movies that are objectively bad, when he's in it, Stan Helsing is the prime example. That was one of his final films? Yeah, it was one of the worst parody movies ever made. It had one good gag, and I can't even think of it right now. But Leslie Nielsen pops up a couple times, and it just—it was like a security blanket of childhood. Now, he starred in, like, there's one, spy, Spy Hard, not a good movie. Oh, I, I love Spy Hard. Spy Hard has one of my favorite dumb lines, but it
1: comes from Andy Griffith, who plays the villain. Oh, and, yeah. And <laughs> Leslie Nielsen's character is named Dick Steele, and he's basically saying, like, you'll never catch me. He says, it's like, all the dicks you got can't stop me. And <laughs> this is like a PG, PG-13 movie. PG-13. As, a, as a 13-year-old kid or 12 or however
2: old I was, that was a hilarious line. See, I think I was a couple years past... Like, really, he's also, and I love him. He's also my least favorite Mel Brooks movie, Dracula Dead and Love It. That had some gold, it had moments of gold, but it's the lesser Brooks. Yeah, it's definitely not as good as Young. Anyway, like, fun. we're watching some woman, like Ted Danson's woman, who is Leslie Nelson's wife, slowly drowning. And this, honestly, f- I grew up like afraid of everything but spiders. Um, but like watching somebody slowly dry d- drown on a beach as the water comes, and you ha- look her nose—the actress lady—when they sent that water, her nose was right in it. This had to been a tough shoot. Do you know who that actress is? I do
1: not. That's Galen Ross. That's the female protagonist in *Dawn of the Dead*. She's the she's the woman who survives at the very end with the Kenneth,
2: helicopter lady. Yeah.
1: I guess she's died her fly hair. Flyboys.
2: Yeah. Flyboys. Uh, I did not know that. Like, I am... My horror cred is is very much gained. Uh, Ga- Galen
1: Ross is also in the movie Madman. And this is no... I'm not taking shots at Galen Ross's personal... In terms of her looks. But Madman has the most unattractive cast in the history <laughs> of cinema. And she has a hot tub scene in that movie. And it shot like a fucking bubblegum commercial. I don't know how to explain it. Remember those like double those yeah. really annoying double mitt commercials back in the eighties? Oh yeah. It shot like that and it just it sticks out like a sore thumb in terms of the the style and the tone they're going for in the movie. Yeah. Um but also in terms of her physical appearance and forgive me, um I love I love that she's not super, super attractive. This is back when ugly people, and
2: I hate to use that term because she's what a real person. What the hell? I was just to say, have you she, seen Donna this? She is not ugly. She's not, but I'm saying she looks like a real you person. Yeah, yeah. you didn't have to be a fucking <laughs> that's, super That's
1: mom. what I'm trying to say in, ter, in Hollywood terms. That she ugly bitch could have a career back then. Now, in Madman. Everybody in that movie is legitimately ugly, with the exception of Kaylin Ross. She's the there most attractive go. person
2: in that movie. She found her calling.
1: When Madman Mars, the villain who is supposed to be ugly, is marginally more attractive than the people <laughs> You're he's Right. Holy shit! That that's really saying yeah. something. So, how I know we're dealing with a sort of a hyper reality, but this surveillance network that this character has on his house is is not entirely unrealistic but driving 400 feet of cable out to the i mean the beach that's a little bit on the
2: unrealistic side i mean if you're going to get revenge get revenge oh i'm not i'm not i mean the man's got the money he's got the technical know-how what more evil way could you watch make somebody die than to watch the woman they love die first? Than knowing you can't do anything, then well, it die.
1: Just, it just makes you wonder, like how how good was Ted, Ted Danson's dick moves? The best that that, that it, Galen Ross was able to walk away from from all the you know the <laughs> riches of, of of the you
2: know the, her her husband. That's true. I mean Ted Ted Danson, all of his characters. Have a nine inch dick. Ted Dance himself is eleven and a half. <laughs> they actually he it down. They use a uh they use a diopter
1: on the, <laughs> on, the, on, the on the camera Mother. to uh <laughs> to blur. It's a, it's actually Look fully. how much
2: happy this evil fucker is just watching this. This is this is why it's my favorite. It's his performance as the most scummiest scumbag. And Stephen I, King, just speaking to Stephen King, there's this. The ledge, and there's another like Dolan's Cadillac where this dude gets a job on a road crew to dig a hole in a highway where this mobster will drive to bury him alive in it. And I think they made a movie adaptation or like it was a short in something, it's been filmed. Stephen King loves his sleazy villains and Oh man. Is that right, is that in Riding the Bullet or one of those? I I It might have been in that I am having vague flashbacks and I may be thinking of something completely different. No, Riding the Bullet was that was an anthology. Or was that the one where the guy's going huh? No. Because the story riding the bullet is the guy is riding with a ghost and has to tell awful truths to get out. So maybe they use I don't know.
1: I don't I that's I don't know. There, there have been so many adaptations, and most There's, of them are. No, it's not, no, not
2: Riding the Bullet. It's some weird adaptation that had Christopher Lloyd and kind of weird SM gear because it had that and chattering teeth. It was a Fox made for TV movie, and they also used yeah. a Clive Barker story about hands severing themselves from bodies. And It's called Sexy. It's, it's Christopher Lloyd and SM sex gear? Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm about to knock this table over with my boner. <laughs> Oh, man. This fucking face.
0: Okay,
1: speaking of which, we are going to talk about it real quick. Have you seen the trailer for the Spirit Halloween movie that's coming yeah. out? Christopher Lloyd, you're so much better than you know what?
2: Get paid, man. All our heroes are soon to pass. Get whatever money you can. And I'm still, like, is it going to streaming somewhere? I don't know. I, I won't go. I won't pay movie theater money, but I'm still going to watch it. I still like those cheesy you know halloween i liked the first goosebumps movie i didn't like the second one but i liked the first one
1: i I never watched it Goose, it's not goosebumps I mean,
2: was past my, my it value. was me too i grew up on fear street he he wrote those fear street books and then they did the amazing netflix trilogy i still haven't watched oh dude movie. i'm telling you it's like four and a half stars every single one of them are good they have they bear no resemblance to the rl stein books one, one of them's like scream that's enough no for, it's not that's, that's what I've heard and then it goes sh- it's not like Scream and it has one of the best movie kills of like horror movie kills like the past five, six years I promise you if you watch 1994 you will watch 1978
1: and 14 whatever oh well if I were going to watch any of them the 1978
2: one is well you gotta is, watch the first is, one it's a trilogy of actually interconnected stories you need to watch from first to last it's basically a six hour movie and I'm telling you right now I know you, I knew you might not enjoy the resident, or the Evil Dead remake, but you'd respect it. You'll enjoy these fucking movies. You'd see well, smart ass teenagers
1: get killed, kids get killed. Well, I'm all for kids being murdered. In real life blood, and fit. to death with hammers as their parents cry helpless <laughs> in the corner. That's what I want out of cinema. Lars von Trier.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, man.
1: We're going to take a shot. Wait, not a shot. We'll take a drink to Lars von Trier, who just got diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. May this fuel your next cinematic endeavor I'm to being the most t- fucked up thing you've ever I'm created. I'm
2: terrified he's really going to go hard. And try to do his movie about Hitler from a sympathetic perspective. He's like that would be his dream thing to make the un only because it's so horrible. Not that he sympathizes with Hitler, but to try to make the world history's worst monster a sympathetic character. And I'm terrified he's going to try to do that. I, let's let's hope that that is a bridge too far. I don't think this man had. You've seen Anti You've seen House of Jack built. I, I have. His happiest movie is Melancholia, where the world explodes at the
1: end. Yeah, but we get to see Kirsten Dunst and titties. titties. Those are some nice set of titties. Hell yeah.
2: And, it's a great movie.
1: I never, never never, cared for her as Mary Jane, other than she had red hair. And that's the one thing ma- missing from Melancholia, is that if she had had red hair, <laughs> she had titties, a five-star movie all day long. Won the Academy Award for most solid boner from me. So in EC Comics, there was a a thing that they utilize as a storytelling device, that which they referred to as "just
2: desserts." Are you familiar with "just desserts"? I know what the term is, but like I don't know their specific. Po- like everybody, like the bad guys have to die and get what's coming. Basically,
1: uh, you you set up your character; they do something horrible, but in the end, they're going to get their just desserts. They're going to be. You know, either killed or they'll be caught,
2: and he's taking that and, necklace off. And Mo- that br- that's the monkey's paw thing. That's what activated. That's what all these, the, fir- the, the adaptation stories kind of have as a moral center. That's why I kind of, like, the first one, Father's Day, is a little off because, no, they didn't deserve that. He was the asshole. Well, he was the asshole, but it's... Brandon, I promise you, you scream at me like bad, that bad for cake. I'm bashing your fucking skull <laughs> in too. I love cake. I love cake too. We're gonna have the cake. I will share. We'll share the cake. That we'll, way no, the one, we'll have our own cake. No. I'll get you your own cake. <laughs> Thank you. Shortly after, this is a real quick true story. Shortly after my dad died, I was depressed and realized I was an adult and could do what I want. I got a birthday cake, birthday cake flavored ice cream, and a bottle of birthday cake flavored vodka, and I watched bad horror movies all day and drank and ate. Mm. <laughs> that's 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 how I. That's how much I love Kate. That's how you should live every day of your life. All all I may, maybe make three years. I'd live three more years yeah, well, right that's now.
1: Three years worth living. Why? why I, I listen, and I, I say this with all sincerity. Why are you wasting your life? Just get, uh, you only you, you only live once. Go ahead and get it over with. I'm
2: soft and love my <laughs> wife and want to spend more time with her.
1: Do you think this movie needed more uh, semi-nude? Leslie
2: Nielsen shower scenes. Every movie does. <laughs> uh, it would have been great in prom night. Just ten minutes of him
1: showering. Well, the the subtext of, th- of prom night that you're unaware of is that he <laughs> that he was nailing all of those kids.
2: Oh, he absolutely was. Yeah,
1: and the the prom, like even though like they all came separately, he was their date. <laughs> <They> have, <laughs> They all took turns at the uh, at the uh, the Ramada Inn down the down the road. Oh my and, god! Yep, that's it. And you know he didn't wear condoms. No, never has, never
2: will. <laughs> <laughs> that broke me. Oh God, that broke oh,
0: me. Oh
1: man, he's dead. One of the saddest oh, things. Jesus. One of the saddest things I ever had to do. Years ago, <clears throat> for about a decade uh, between a couple of different newspapers, I worked in the media, and I had to put Leslie Nielsen's obituary in the newspaper, and it was it was genuinely sad. And throughout the history of me working in the media, you got to think like Michael Jackson died, you know, which was a big deal. Farrah Fawcett died. James Doohan, which I I no. which was probably the funniest thing I ever did. My editor. I wrote the headline for this story, and it said "Beam me up, Jesus." Just, just <laughs> knowing he would change it, um, but this is the only uh, death that actually like legitimately made me sad. Like, yeah. I, because how can you not love Leslie Nielsen? He was like the the grandfather that you wish you had. You know,
2: yeah, that's true. I only had a step grandpa. Both my other grandfathers were dead, and that, he was a stodgy kind of. Upper middle class white guy, mine. Although one time after surgery, all fucked up on a uh, morphine, he talked about how oh, this Nazi pilot came down and they shot him in the fucking head and cut up his plane. Well, speaking of getting shot yeah. in the head, we just had an awesome. Oh uh, yeah, the water coming out. That's a that's a
1: really cool effect. Now continue with your series. I'm <laughs> just saying, uh, it's
2: like Ralph, like was all fucked up after surgery at 90 something, still hanging in like a champ. But they gave morphine he's like, yeah, a Nazi pilot crashed in our camp. We shot him in the fucking head and cut souvenirs off his planes. And I've never heard this man say damn in 30-some years. Shot him in the fucking head. Well, That's the feel-good story of the year. Well, I mean, as a Nazi, so who cares?
1: Well, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, but still, you know... Having, having to, having, being put in a situation where you have to kill
2: a Nazi. I, I wish every day. That's how I wake up every day of my life. Just like, let me kill a Nazi. And like a red, like I want to go back in time and like kill a real Nazi. Not these modern day Nazis. They're all, they're, they're fanboy. They're cosplayers. <laughs> Cosplay Nazis. <laughs> Trademarks can't steal that from us. <laughs> you can hold your breath.
1: I I love his scream here, man. This this frame that's coming up is this to me. This is so fucking iconic. Oh man! If you can hold your breath, there. This yeah. Right here, that is that's
2: insanity.
1: That's that's, that's fucking art.
2: I I love the color choices. Really, uh, like a George Romero needed to do more movies like this. It would have been great. Well, if he, if uh, they had given him budgets like they gave for this movie, it's then true. It very fuck possible. you, Hollywood pedophile elite cabal, <laughs> drinking adrenochrome, fucking over George Romero. That's why he died. That's because he wouldn't participate in their sick schemes. <laughs> I had to stop myself from saying some real horrible shit. I like the joke's going on long enough. Let's move on. <laughs> oh my lord! I lo- like again. Well- what do, you, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is? Oh, for? let's go 68%. 74%. Hey, that's good. I'm trying to aim low because, you know, this is... But it does being so comedic gives it a broader fan
1: base. Uh, the audience score, 68%. Both fresh. However, there's always got to be a buzzkill among everything the most... Bullshit of all aggregates. Metacritic, what do you think it
2: is? Fucking 22. 59%. Fucking pieces of shit. However, Google users... Come on, redeem yourself. 91%. Okay, see, there we go. I was about to say 90. However,
1: the only one that truly matters is the Rant Army Review and the Rant Army Spoken Spades. What do you think our listeners gave?
2: 93. 96. Hey, there you go. Adrian Barbeau. Like, Adrian Barboob, Bar-boo. like I want an Adrian Barbo bot with rocket <laughs> boobs. C Lab 2021, and they're running Adrian Barbeau jokes. <laughs> Chainsaw hands. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, on
1: Fat Tony's hit list, we have 15 dead bodies. Yeah. This movie. That's not including cockroaches, uh, which oh God. Um,
2: that fucking
1: sick. There are quite a few. Uh I know we're halfway through the movie, but uh Tony if you'd be so kind, read the synopsis for a creep show. It's off the back of it's on your table right there.
0: Oh,
2: it's uh he left a DVD case. All right. Two macabre Masters. Writer Stephen King and director George A. Romero. Conjure up five shocking yarns, each a virtuoso exercise in the ghouls and gag styles of the 50s horror comics. A murdered man emerges for the grave for Father's Day cake. A meteor's ooze makes everything grow. A professor selects his wife as a snack for a crated creature. A scheming husband plants two lovers up to their necks in terror. A malevolent millionaire with an insect phobia becomes the prey of... A Cockroach Army. Add the spirited performance of a fine cast, Hal Holbrook, Adrian Barbeau, Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson, E.G. Marshall, and King himself, and the ghoulish makeup wizardry of Tom Savini, let the creep show begin. See, that's one thing we forgot. Like, the the makeup, the stuff, it's campy, it's not realistic, but it's still some of Savini's best. Now, Savini creates something in the, the section we're watching
1: right now, which is called The Crate. Uh, one of the most uh, memorable movie monsters, probably.
2: And he'd uh, never done one before, he, had, had he? He
1: had never done an animatronic. Yep. He, had to, he had to call up Rob Ra- Bottin, I think, and say, hey, how do I do this? And yet, it's it's one of the most memorable, probably the most memorable thing from this movie oh, yeah. uh, across the board. But uh, they affectionately named this uh, monster Fluffy. Which you know, I, I love giving something a, a a vicious monster a you know cutesy name is. I love the irony of that. But you mentioned it before. We have an excellent cast, probably the most star-studded cast in terms of uh, the short stories overall in this oh, one. Oh yeah, we have Hall Hallbrook who played Howl. Hal Hall Hall. Sorry, either way, <laughs> uh, playing Henry Northup. Uh, probably best known for his years of playing Mark Twain on the stage all around the United States. In addition to roles in All Presidents Men, he was also the villain in the Dirty Harry sequel, Magnum yep. Force. Um, Adrian Barbeau, uh, Wilma Billy Northup uh, was in everything from Swamp Thing, Escape from New York, Cannonball Run. Uh, legendary The Fog. Of the fog. How are you fucking? From? Well, I was getting ready to make that oh, point that sorry. Um, we have these two people come back together uh, to be in the fog. But um, probably one of the most legendary sets of tits in
2: in Hollywood during during her heyday, Adrian Barboobs. boobs. Adrian Barboobs. boobs. See, me and Brandon have a different recording set up, so like we're. I'm not facing him right now, so I didn't mean to say I, I should have known that he would have brought up the fog and I apologize for me jumping the gun.
1: But you're also missing uh the, the third person who uh was in the fog and that being Tom Atkins, who we haven't gotten to yet. So this was a this was a mini reunion of of fog
2: cast members. Like I fucking love I, one of my favorite stories. It's in the little documentary uh, In Search of Darkness, but where Stephen King was freaking out about uh, Tom Atkins smacking his son. Look, like, you're not really going to hit him. And so I do need to to tell Brandon something. He says it was a massive CGI budget to get rid of Tom Atkins' mustache. That is not the case. Tom Atkins' mustache is its own sen- sentient living being, <laughs> they have a symbiotic relationship, but they can be a part. But because the presence of a small child was on set, legally, for reasons we can't go into, he had to go down to vacation in Tijuana. one It was the same reason that he didn't have a mustache in the fog. There's those kids on the beach. It's not a sexual thing. It's violence. Like, you know, It's he, Tom well, Atkins' pervert is... Tom Atkins' mustache fucks grown women. But oh, yeah. has a deep hatred for children. But... So. Well, uh, obviously, he always assumes they're toms and his toms and his, so he wants to abort them. <laughs> so they had to send him on vacation.
1: <laughs> well, we know we know from it's just it's uh, evident in the films that he's made that that Tom is not fond of uh, taking care of children. And yeah, that, look at that. Ha- he has important things to do like going to adventures with women he just met to have sex with them and, and- drinking.
2: Like, well, man stuff. That's inherent. That's inherent to every... That's <laughs> just inherent in life. The one thing that does bother me most about his role in movie is when he cracks open a can of beer and pours it into a glass. That's how he let the audience knows that he's playing a real douchebag. That's, that's, he's playing a character. Yeah, right? exactly. That was his acting tree. He's like, how are they going to know I'm a douche? I smacked a kid. Nah, man, I'm going to pour a beer in a cup.
1: Mustached Tom Atkins... Would have drank it straight from the keg. He he
2: like got done a key it shot have, and like uh. It would have been IV.
1: Shotgunned dri- it. IV directly into <laughs> into his bloodstream. He goes to the factory, and he just lays b- below the spout, and they just pour it into him. It's like uh, like in video games where you punch a you punch a trash can over, <laughs> and there's a ham, and it replenishes your health.
2: That's well, real life for Tom Atkins. Yeah,
1: that's real life, one hundred percent. So uh, the, our janitor. In this story is a gentleman by the name of Don Kiefer playing Mike, the janitor, a very successful character actor appearing in such things as Death of Salesman and Billy Jack goes to Washington. Man, Billy Jack.
2: Motherfucking Billy Jack again. Billy
1: Jack has made so many appearances.
2: Billy Jack goes to Washington was the third one. The trial of Billy Jack was the second one. So I see why it was such a success.
1: Well, no, it'd be Billy
2: Jack Born Losers is the sequel. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, I really thought, man. I fuck Billy Jack. I just there's so many of them. Yeah, I think there's four movie. uh, Oh, oh, I'm sorry. The Washington was the last one, right? I believe so.
1: Yeah. I mean, once you go to Washington, like, well, I mean, where do you go if Billy Jack goes to To space? To the moon.
2: (laughs) Billy Jack in space versus the leprechaun.
0: (laughs)
1: Billy, 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 I can't even get it up. Billy Jack goes to
2: Harlem. That's
1: <laughs> Damn, yes. the, that sounds it, like
2: a movie they make in the seventies. It would,
1: it, would, it would have been fucking great. It would have been Fred Williamson, and it would have been a it would have been a, a black exploitation kung fu movie. I would have fucking loved that. Somebody uh. deep fake that shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh. this this crate, the titular crate. Do you know
2: what other movie it appears in? Uh, No. I I think you're going to tell me, and I'm going to have known, but offhand, I can't remember. It's in Jason Goes to Hell. That's right. When he goes to the basement, and there's the Necronomicon, and all
1: the little Easter eggs. Yeah, that was literally just stuff they had in storage, and Adam Marcus is like, I'm going to fill my movie with all these little nods. The... Jungle Jim from the Birds is there. Uh, you know the stuff from Army of Darkness is in the movie, the dagger in the book, and then the crate from
0: that's Creep awesome. Creepshow. I, again, nice
2: little, nice little nod. Good movie. It's uh, it's un- it's overhated. I'm not going to say it's underappreciated. It's over-hated. It's not a
1: good Friday the Thirteenth
2: movie. It's, but a, it's a it's a movie. it's a decent. It's a
1: fun 90s monster movie. Horror movie. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Fritz Weaver we have as Professor Dexter Stanley. He was in Marathon Man, Black Sunday, and even appeared in a couple episodes of the Friday the 13th series. So, everything's kind of coming full circle. Yeah. And uh, later on, we're going to have the graduate student who is gets into an unfortunate scenario um, by the name of Robert Harper. He plays the a character named Charlie Greason. He's had a decent career as a character actor, such films as Mommy Dearest, Once Upon Upon a Time in America, and Twins, which was directed by Ivan (laughs) Raymond, who directed Ghostbusters. You just got busted. As a kid, I think The Crate was my favorite because it's the most... Yeah, probably it's the most horror of these stories,
2: I guess. Yeah, it's like got a creature. I get that totally. Like I, because the the Leslie Nielsen one's my favorite. I'd like this is once where I'd even allow Scott and his bad opinions to like <laughs> pick a favorite, but he'd probably pick the cockroach one, which is not bad, but is demonstrably not the best of any of them. Well, we're gonna we'll talk about it when we get to
1: it in terms of effectiveness i think this is probably the the most across the board where you could probably just show somebody this segment and you say and you were to say this is creep show this is probably the most encompassing of like oh, yeah. tonally what they're going for where it's got comedic moments you've got hal halbrook's character you know wanting to to murder his you know obnoxious wife and you know Daydreaming about shooting her and stuff. It's also got a, an awesome monster. Um, you get the a lot of a lot of a lot of times in these movies, you had either a you know a cheating husband or an unfaithful wife or you know an overbearing character to some degree, and this movie kind of has an interesting take because. <laughs> They feed this woman to a monster and then dump it in a river or whatever, and we don't know what happens beyond that, but they essentially get away with it because you're basically saying, well, it's
2: okay because this woman is awful. How dare she have an opinion and attitude? Now, she is kind of a bitch. But you know, I mean, but,
0: yeah, but still,
1: but I mean, like being a
2: bitch and like being—it's not a death sentence, you know. You shouldn't, you shouldn't
1: kill somebody necessarily for you know being. That get, is
2: Brandon's opinion, like I, I don't know.
1: <coughs> get a divorce that probably would solve some of your problems rather than having to resort to murder. I agree, because I mean, Hal Holbrook's character—he takes this uh, this awful situation and sees an uh, an opportune moment to like get rid of you know, the the negative thing in his life. Oh I love it. Those color changes are just yes. fantastic. He's biting help you get a little spritz of blood. And I bet you this movie was able to curtail some of the MPAA nonsense because the, because the colors wash out when when there is blood. You know, it's a little yeah, more It's not really, reality. Yeah and then in the something to Tide you over when they, when Leslie Nielsen shoots Galen Ross uh, and um, Ted Danson it's water that comes out rather than blood it's it's a creative way to get around some of the some of the nonsense now as a kid the the actor here uh, no, not the one getting ready to be eat, eaten, but the, uh, the the professor. I used to get him and Ed Gale, not Ed Gale, but um, uh, David Gale from Reanimator. Re-animator yeah, I was just
2: about to comment that. Yes, I did too. He, he. They got that long face. He's very John Kerry esque. Only I'm assuming
1: that this guy didn't throw his war medals over a over a fucking face <laughs> because he loves America. <laughs> Here's the, the character actor, Charlie Gerson, yep. He was in, in Twins. So put yourself in this situation. A, a guy has just been eaten by a monster in front of you. You run out. Would you get someone like, hey, come and look at this monster that could kill us both? Or no. Run, or
2: would you just keep running? Call the National <laughs> fucking Guard. Blow up the whole building. Because that thing's been like closed for 130 years, according to this movie. It's like 1850-something. What has it been surviving on? Hate. Hate.
1: <laughs> Pure hate. Anytime I go downstairs, I think about this movie. <laughs> um, when, when I was a kid, my grandmother Lena lived in... Uh, presumably my my horrible racist grandmother. As
2: uh, to said, the bitch that traumatized you who's, about who's,
1: Pumpkinhead? Who's, who's, yes, who is still... Who is basically living off of hate, much like the Fluffy <laughs> in this movie. Um, she had... You know, a two-story house and the fucking staircase was old and creaky and it was one that wasn't enclosed you could see under it and I always had just the worst anxiety about going up or downstairs because I was terrified that someone was going to grab me or, or whatever and this that house was just gothic and I'm amazed American your mean
2: ass grandmother never actually did that that story you told at Frank and Cone about Pumpkinhead—I'm amazed she didn't just wait down there one day just to give you a heart attack. Well, she sucked your life force out. She, That's she, why she's still alive. She ate your childhood. <laughs> That's why she take you to horror movies and scare you so she could eat your childhood, adding life to her It was—it
1: was mostly bad, but there were goods. I—I can't—I I can't. I, can't uh, I mean, it was probably. Awful of her in some regard to uh, to expose me to the, some of the things I was exposed to. But I mean, yeah, that's I, why
2: I, I used to think she was cool before I, I, all the other shit. I grant,
1: I grant, I, I've achieved a lifelong love of horror. Um, I just don't, I just don't hate the same
2: skin tones that she does. I, I want a substitute teach. I used to very briefly be a substitute teacher, and I should have brought *Cannibal Holocaust* in on the AV cart and showed it to them. You should have. I never got to, like, do, it was only high school. I, I did a total of eight days, all in high school and then the alternative school. And then I realized it's going to blow my brains out if I pursue teaching as a career. So, you, you kind of brought
1: up something that uh, we should talk about real quick. Bride of Frankencon, uh you know, June 2023. And uh, we're, we're going to be doing something, I can't say just yet, but something related with Mick. But they also announced uh, their their first person uh, coming back, and that being Joe, Bob, and Darcy. Hell yeah. But they also announced making their convention debut, and I'm, I'm blanking on the gentleman's name, but from Cannibal Holocaust. This is the first time he's ever done a convention, and that's fucking huge. And Cannibal Holocaust is a niche movie if there ever was one. oh my
2: god Yeah, i can't even
1: say that i like cannibal holocaust no
2: i've seen cannibal holocaust but
1: it is it's one of those movies that you can't deny its effectiveness in you know its exploitation tropes and and things like that and when matt told me he was going to bring him on uh we were doing a a show at im's nature center and my jaw dropped i'm like wow like, that's, that's certainly out of left field. And hopefully that's going to, you know, bring in, you know, c- curious people to check that out. But we're very excited for, for FrankenCon coming up.
2: Yeah, always follow the trail of blood into the <laughs> enclosed dark space. That's a smart idea where you see a severed body part. What, what incentive does this character have? None. To, Stupidity.
1: To, to, it's like, I'm going to... My college professor is freaking the fuck out. There's blood. There's a, a mysterious crate under a stairwell. You saw the little thing of blood. That was enough. I want to measure the bite marks. The, 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 science, the, the science in him is just it's too much. What are we dealing with here?
2: I'm trying to go through and find that guy's name. But there's a lot. Of, it's a very active group on Facebook.
1: Oh Lord, um, let, let me look it up. You've got me. Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, Carl G- Gabriel York is wow. his name.
2: So I should have get Googled the movie.
1: Yeah, he's one of the, he's one of the stars. I don't know. I don't know if he was one one of the few that had to testify in court. <laughs> the, yeah, the, that's a whole <laughs> fucked up thing. So we just got our first uh pretty good reveal of Fluffy.
2: Just, a great fucking monster, especially first time. Just got some advice over the other oh, great. Like, see, that's one of the good gore moments of this. But there you go. That's some good 80 shit right there. And this is
1: kind of what I was talking about. Like, I think they got away with these gore moments because of the color choices. It's the blood is there, but it's Washed out by the color, the pinks and the the blue hues, you know, are kind of masking the redness of the blood. Yeah, I know in Evil Dead, uh, Sam Raimi, in an attempt to tried to try not to get a an R rating, you know, made the the blood, you know, like ridiculous, either just like, I mean like cartoonishly red or it was like black, like tar and. Those those ideas are sound, but the the MPA or now now as they're known the, just the MPA, not the MPAA. They dropped the second A,
2: but they they just pick and choose and how they want to, you know. Yeah, they got rate a things. little better for a while after that documentary. This movie has not yet been rated. Oh, that that movie that called them the fuck out because then I remember going because I remember specifically because I made you and Amy go see it right? Piranha 3D. Yeah. Got an R rating where Jerry O'Connell's dick is chewed off, fought over by fish to puke back out on you in 3D. This is like a couple years after. I'm like, this is because of that documentary.
1: There was a a lesbian water ballet. Sweet tit. Art.
2: Art. 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 Fuck you, Ingmar Bergman and (laughs) uh, Fellini.
1: (laughs) Damn If Fellini were today, I would hope that he could make something half as good as uh, Piranha 3D, which, you know, it all comes full circle. You know, who was that in that movie? Fucking Dr. Emmett Brown himself. Oh, yeah. Christopher, Christopher, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. So, he's... I guess I guess him being in the spirit Halloween movie is not entirely. He can do whatever uh, he wants, man. Oh, I'm not. I'm not demeaning him for for doing it. It's just I, I, when I think of Christopher Lloyd, I think of a little more highbrow. You know, dude surely, surely people out there would, would. I was frozen today. I was
2: frozen today. All right, point point taken. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're. I once you've done a movie with Hulk Hogan. You can just do whatever. Like nobody puts serious expectations on you after that. I, yeah, I I completely repeal my my point of
1: argument. <laughs> You're absolutely correct. Once you have broken the seal, the Hulk Hogan rule: if you've appeared in a film with Hulk Hogan, you can't appear in an A list movie ever again.
2: The only exception being uh, Sylvester Stallone because it wasn't Hulk Hogan and uh, Rocky Three. That was um. That was thunder lips. Thunder lips. So see, he I mean, he still got to go on and make good movies. Tech, well, and
1: he also was not the Hulk Hogan. Yeah. of the the Hulkamania era. And so that was that was
2: pre Hulk.
1: Well, he was Hulk Hogan at that point. But it was, but was
2: Hulkamania a, hadn't infested America like an STD yet. Well... I remember those days. It comes in waves. It's there's, like herpes. Yeah, there's there's
1: there's still there's still quite a few people inflicted with Hulkamania. Take your vitamins, say your prayers. <laughs> and one day maybe, maybe you can cure yourself of the horrible affliction that is full blown Hulkamania. Search
2: up the Gawker video. <laughs> That'll cure you a lot. Yeah. Uh nice. Come on, Hal. So Get how Hall shit
0: broke.
2: done. I also forgot he was in Evening Shade. I used to love that show as a kid. It was like a comfort thing right before bedtime. I don't even remember the plots.
1: But he's also one of those actors, kind of like Leslie Nelson, who's also in this
2: movie, who always looked old. Always. Yeah, this movie's in 82. He does shit in the... Oh, hit your table. He's going to hit me because it's going to make a sound on the mic. He's uh, he's in the firm, and by that point, like he is like old... Which I thought was like a
1: decade yeah. after this with Tom Cruise. We haven't said this in a while. Fuck, Fuck you, Tom Cruise. Cruise. But, you know, a legendary actor. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I know you, you and I have talked about this a lot before, but Magnum Force, I mean, definitely the best. A- absolutely. No the, argument. Of the uh, Dirty Harry sequels. Yes. He's fantastic in that movie. That okay. that third act reveal where you find out he's the mastermind behind oh, the, whole, yeah. the whole thing and he holds harriet gunpoint
2: and that whole car chase and everything it's just good stuff doing cocaine with my dying father watching magnum force is a great day real quick story my dad dying of cancer can ask for a beard, upset my mom i pulled her side gently then screamed to her if that man wants crack cocaine i'll fucking get it he was definitely terminal you know he was on hospice care and he kind of do you think you could get coke well i called friends of our family because i had no money and they immediately brought us cocaine, and we did cocaine and watched uh, Dirty Harry movies. That's All right. but the Deadpool movie, because Deadpool sucks. The Dirty Harry Deadpool.
1: I don't even hate
2: the Deadpool. You know, I don't hate it, but I don't. I won't watch it. Right after watching the the other ones, it has to be like separately on its own day, dude. Jim Carrey's little thing was kind of cool. But. He plays a character named Johnny Squares. Yep. Why do
1: I remember that? I don't. I don't know. fucking know, man. His his band play their "Welcome to the Jungle." You get to hear "Welcome to the Jungle." So like This is how times.
2: henpecked he is because he's the one mopping the floors. He should grab his bitch wife to do it. Just kidding, baby. I mean
1: that actually kind of plays out for his character because he's he's the definition of pussy whipped. Yep. I gotta tell you, I wouldn't put up with too much, but if Adrian Barbeau,
2: nineteen eighty-two Adrian Barbeau, was let me hit that, I, I'd put up with some shit. See, that's the thing; you could tell this character got her husband with her pussy, and I love this. He's just getting everything ready. smart. This is like it's still exaggerated in the red, but this is like one of the only times in the movie you see blood without. Like in this segment, without like a filter or true. zany thing, he's just a clean up. <laughs> like he's now, right now we now we have the color. See, they don't want to give you too much. The close-up shots—they're giving you the uh, color. He's, but, he's the- jacking it both hands. That's how he got into the headspace. <laughs> I mean, where do you go after Adrian Barbo?
1: Adrian Barbo was married to John Carpenter around this time. Yeah. Good for fucking him.
2: Exactly. What was the the woman like the big one after that? I'm blanking on her fucking name. It's not. Was he ever married to Deborah Hill or Were they just associates? I think they they dated, they but dated. I don't think they were ever married. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was in the '70s. Yeah, this was Adrian Barr, And Then you know he just gave up on the idea of marriage, the institution of marriage after that.
1: Well, good for He's him. He's like, I'm man.
2: gonna make the greatest Cthulhu-esque. 90s horror movie and that's what he concentrated the rest of his life on well
1: when you when you've seen the void yeah I know that, that that's it, not
2: it, a 90s <laughs> though that's that, there would be no void without in the mouth of madness
1: well I was actually speaking about oh. when you've seen the the void oh. <laughs> that uh, the, the horrible of the horribleness of marriage can lead you to I love
2: like, my wife
1: then well, I keep her in
2: line with my fists and my <laughs> and my yelling, and she's tinier than me. I can control them and I'm just
1: playing some people can make it work in in general i think I think marriage is uh is is the I mean, that's
2: why I waited tell I was forty <laughs> no twenty year old no no thirty year old is gonna stay you know that's why Brandon's batching it up, not because he couldn't find a woman to accept his the black lodge. If you do find a woman that's into this and finds it cool and says, "Oh my god, it's the coolest room ever," you married that oh, bitch no. on the we, spot. Oh no! If
1: I were to ever get married, we, we'd have to move out. Like there's no—I don't have enough room for me here, let alone. No, she'd have to being. get her own place, pay her own
2: fucking bills, and come over and <laughs> take care of business. Y'all we're could cuddle. Accepting applications now, whores, <laughs> sluts. He ain't gonna pay you.
1: <laughs> You're right. I, <laughs> my, uh, I, my, my misuse of vernacular is. Uh,
2: you gotta respect yeah, we don't call sex workers whores in the black light. They're sex workers, that's a job. But <laughs> sluts, hey, we love you too. Used to. Now it's only only Sarah. And Adrian Barbeau. Sorry, Sarah. She can get it.
1: Have you ever seen Adrian Barbeau in the uncut version of whole yes. thing? Yes,
2: I have the European cut where it shows him titties.
1: Yeah, so one of the one of the most hilarious things ever is that, you know. There's the different cuts of that movie, and the first time it got released on DVD, which is like, it's out of print now, and I don't have that version. I have the the re-release, but that first DVD, they accidentally put that in there, yet it still has the American PG rating. Ah. So some people got some extra content they were not supposed to. But yeah, I didn't know anything about that until much, much later. But obviously, I had, I had
2: seen... Those bodacious things oh, yeah. hang hang unencumbered by a bra. I love how he's just got like just unbuttoned mid chest, like just just keeping it. He's keeping it real loose. My one negative against Adrian. Did you ever have Miss Cahill at East High? I love Miss Cahill. Yeah, Sarah does too, but she keep her shirts like that and show the same amount of cleavage because she had that weird bony old lady chest.
1: I don't remember Miss K. Oh, we
2: made jokes about that, like me and Mike Fi, like, man, I wish she'd unbuttoned another button, and Bryce, I can't remember the fucking. she hated him, but yeah, she it was just real low, but it didn't show cleavage. It was just like bone. Yeah, of all the things,
1: uh, Miss Cahill was a theater arts teacher. Yeah, I had her all all four years, and when I say had her, not in a, in a sexual I way. Her. I never thought of her in a sexual
2: way. I never did either. But I mean, you're you're I mean, you're laying I'm, it out there. The, I'm definitely right though. Is like? And she also had the knack for coming t- near anybody. You right. She did. Yeah. <laughs> Who was about to cuss? Because we were talking about our theory class to go quiet, quiet right before you cuss. I'm like fuck. And everything did, and she was right there. I think she just let it slide. But um, I had her twice: I had theater arts and English, two or three. Let, let it slide in.
1: Oh god! Oh god! Think. Read the Iliad while you fuck me.
2: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, great time. Miss
1: was so nice to me. She was legitimately like, "That's what like, Sarah loves her to death." One of my favorite teachers in high school. Um, yeah, I you know I'm a four time actor of the year. Theatre arts they they named the the fucking award after me the year after I graduated. That's true. That's legitimate. The year true. you tried
2: to go back to school for I, but... I,
1: I okay, oh my god. Alright, I'll tell you. <laughs> I didn't story. mean to call you out, but I had to so I graduated high school in two thousand two. In two thousand three, like I'm I'm working at uh, KB Toys and but I'm working like night shifts and stuff. And just out of fucking boredom, I'm like, I'm going to see if I can go to school. Let's just just see if I can go. And I went to school for almost two weeks. (laughs) I mean, I didn't stay the entire day. But I would go to class, and they're like, "Who are you?" And I'm like, "I'm I'm a little Jimmy Timbers, or you know, like, whatever." And like, "You're not on our fucking roster." And this is post 9 11, and it was not easy. <laughs> uh, but finally, uh, there was a
2: <laughs> God. What was her name? Was this old old drunk bitch. Oh fuck! I wish I know who you're talking about. I don't know who you are. You're not
1: supposed to be here. <laughs>
2: I'm like, all right. Well,
1: I'll just leave. Like you gotta get, you gotta go to the office and check out if you're leaving. No.
2: (laughs) Yeah, man, get her, get her, Fluffy. Do you okay?
1: Do you think Fluffy Did did he? Did he eat Wilma a little more slowly than he would have a a man? Yeah. There's more. There's more meat there in, in, in certain
2: areas to to enjoy upon. I think he was full already and wouldn't have ate her, but he's a bros before hoes kind of guy. Lutangious. and just <laughs> He was just doing a salad to Hal Holbrook. He saw how she was bitching at her. like He wasn't going to. He was like, man, this bitch could just give fuck and then eats her.
1: Hal Holbrook, in this movie specifically, he looks at it like if you took the kid from phantasm <laughs> <laughs> and you and you put one of those aging filters on oh my them. god <laughs> does he not yes
2: the shirt the hair everything oh man oh it just oh oh i lost a year of my life that was so funny a, worth it a michael Baldwin is his name recasting the sequel right here yeah oh, they- that's an iconic yeah, shot right there. Whole, I
1: fucking love it. He's inside of her. <laughs> Does Fluffy have genitals, yes or no? Uh,
0: hmm.
2: I hate to say it because I don't want to imagine him as a sex criminal, but yes, and he is eating and raping her. It's sad. <laughs> I don't like that that is the scientific fact of what is going on in this scene and the how Holbrook caused it. But that's, it's that's definitely what happened. That's satisfying two needs at once. That's that's multitasking, if I you mean, ask me. Exactly. It's fucking terrible, don't get me wrong. We do not advocate murder or rape and definitely not at the both at the same time. Unless you go back in time and kill Hitler. You can do whatever. Yeah, Have please, fun. Please. Go to town.
1: Uh, future generations, if you're able to go back and murder and rape Hitler Even if it's like Avengers
2: rules where it doesn't really count to change the future and you just get to, just do it. Rape and murder him while you well,
1: Let's hope that time displacement vacations become a thing in the future and we can go back and not entirely alter history, but can... You
2: know, do horrible, horrible things to people. Just to Hitler, just to Hitler, <laughs> and Osama bin Laden, I guess. Yeah, let's we can modernize it a little. Um, and Fred Durst, definitely
1: Fred Durst. <laughs> you can actually do it to Fred Durst right now. I Actually, don't. I'm just joking. We're not. That's accurate. not a call to action. It's not. It's not illegal. Wink, wink.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sarcasm. That
1: uh, sarcasm. I'm not, I'm not being. I'm not being serious. I know. I
2: would like him as a director. No. He did that movie, Um, no. The Fan?
1: No, that's fucking it's terrible. It's a great,
2: bad movie. <laughs> it may be a great, bad movie. It's a great, movie. bad... I'm not saying he's, like, a good, direct, competent director. He's competent. The shots are fine. The just whole movie and ideas. shit. <sighs> Poor Devin Sally. You deserve better than to be in a John Travolta movie where <laughs> he's playing... The best John Travolta movie.
1: Poppycock. Oh. Poppycock. I'm a... I'm an English Bobby.
2: Actually, okay, real talk. Best John Travolta movie. Uh, Blowout. Shit. Yeah. You actually picked a good one. I was picking Broken Arrow. Brian De... Yeah, Broken Broken Arrow Arrow is a great cheesy bad action movie. It's not even bad. It's a great cheesy John movie.
1: No, 1981's Brian De Palma. It's a great... uh, Yeah. I think that's the movie he uh, made after... Carrie. Carrie, yeah. So they're they're
2: driving now. I just saw it and I was mad because I thought the title meant something different. <laughs> yes, they're driving now. They're driving now to dump this this crate with
1: this this poor monster just chilling who's, now. Who's only Post-coit of bliss? <laughs> Whose only crime is that it was hungry because it had been kept in captivity for you know a hundred plus years. You. You dangle some some fleshy bits in front of it. Of course, it's going to eat it. Of course, it's going to. This poor thing. And like, what are you going to do? You're going to damn it to uh, an existence of of hell by throwing it into a ravine. Okay. Hashtag justice for Fluffy. <laughs> Hashtag, Hashtag justice
2: for Fluffy.
1: So, um, the new Creep Show series is being helmed by Greg Nicotero, and he has expressed on more than one occasion that he would like to do. A prequel to the crate? Are you in favor? of Hell
2: her? yeah, Greg Nick! But he'd have to be the one to do it himself. Like I want him and Thomas Sabini to team up like bros and do it. I'm I'm conflicted. I'd like to see a sequel where the fucking thing washed up on shore and it made friends with a farm boy and would eat his bullies. <laughs> I thought that was going a different direction. No. You could still have fluffy eat people, but it could be nice. <laughs> where he washes up ashore and makes uh,
1: friends with a farm boy and eats his butthole. That's no, where I he, thought you were going with it. He eats
2: the What the, What it's going to be is the little boy's got his dog with him. He eats the dog, but the little boy doesn't get mad. He's like, oh, you hungry, boy? And... Pulls out like a Slim Jim, and he takes him home, and then then he's bullied, and Fluffy eats the bullies. There, you're welcome, Greg Nicotero, no charge. He pulls pulls out his pants, he eats his ass, (laughs)
1: love, (laughs) lift us
0: up where we belong, where the eagles fly. On a
1: mountain high. Boom, boom,
2: boom. We belong. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, see, I can I'm looking this man dead in the face and I still see the guy from Reanimator. It's it's Reanimator and um and
1: Mike from <laughs> from Phantasm, who's grown yeah, very, very, very old <laughs> playing a game of chess. This very well may be what's happening right now. It's, it's, oh that da- well, David Gale's dead, but this could be John Kerry. Well, is is Hal Holbrook
2: dead? Yes, but I'm saying. Then they're both doing this in hell. I'm saying they definitely are in hell, but not as punished, tortured souls. They They came down as kings and conquerors. Yes, you don't know the shit they (coughs) got up to at Hollywood parties. The sacrifices they made on Fridays. They have free for all Fridays,
1: (laughs) and uh, they 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 sing and,
2: and and tell. Funny stories and see, it's broke open. It, it's just a little farm boy. Oh, I come back, Fluffy. Or the, they can even name the dog Fluffy, and it eats Fluffy the dog. Sure. I'm, I'm telling you, that's what I want. The prequel would be cool, but I want a sequel.
1: I have yeah, I, I really, in, all, in all sincerity, I have I have conflicting feelings about it because sometimes it's best to just leave things alone. And I'm glad that they're doing the Creepshow series. I also really like it, that it's short series. Like, there's only a, like six episodes. Oh, yeah. They're not, you're, not, they're you're not making you sick of it. They're, it's quality over quantity. Or for the most part. There have been a couple episodes that I've not been crazy about. But overall, I, I don't know that it's necessary. But, I mean, given the right attention to detail, it could be a nice little nod. Uh, we have our, our well, with the exception of our wraparound story, we have our final part in this whole creep show ordeal called They're Creeping Up On You. This last story was also specifically written for the film. It stars E.G. Marshall as Upson Pratt, uh, who you may remember from Superman 2, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Two Evil Eyes, and Oliver Stone's Nixon. I used to get this guy And the mayor of New York City, Ed Koch, mixed up. I thought they
2: were the same person. I can kind of see that. I never did, but it's not shocking. Look at all this high-tech 80s stuff. Everything in the house, to the exception of the bug spray, I have on my phone right now. I have a phone, a light, a computer. I don't have an incinerator. And we're poor. Yeah, I'm poor. (laughs) My shit's a prepaid Android. (laughs) I get made fun of all the time by the girls for not having an iPhone.
1: Well, I have an iPhone, but I'm... I'm little da little Lord Fauntleroy. I also didn't pay for it outright. I used a payment plan.
2: Uh, I'm booty home to his sugar daddy. <laughs>
1: Fluffy ate my ass. <laughs> we need to make that a rancher. Uh, uh, Fluffy well. ate my ass. Um, do you know who was originally going to play this part? <clears throat> no, I do not. It was uh, originally going to be Max von Sydow.
2: Oh, that would have been fucking awesome. Max von Sydow is great and everything. He's fucking in. I, I cannot think of a bad thing he's in. Even- so,
1: do you think he would have been a better choice overall?
2: I, I hate to like. I would have probably liked it more because this is my least favorite. But no, this guy. He's got the. The Howard Hughes vibe. The uncut hair. He does a great job. I don't think Max Vonsito and any kind of long, unkept hair kind of thing would, I, have, would have worked. I would have loved for him to have had just... Stop. Uh, a $3,200 a month penthouse in 1982. Now $3,200 in a big city would not get you, a, like, maybe a one-bedroom in New York. Yeah. Fuck you, boomers. <laughs> But I would have
1: liked to have seen this character having just uh, a plethora of piss jars that he's Oh been yeah, drinking. yeah, yeah. You know, like really play up the whole Howard Hughes uh, angle if you're going to do that. But I guess the whole point of this is the the sanitary
2: nature. So yeah, this that guy's probably sterile have, and yeah, it saving the piss wouldn't
1: have made entirely too
2: much. He's got that sense. rich shit. He's got that rich people bug spray. Is <laughs> no label on it or anything. I loathe yeah. bugs. <laughs> It's his. Uh, it's like a a rich person. They own a vineyard. He owns his own pesticide company.
1: This actually kind of makes me sick, and I'm not talking about the roaches. I just the clinical. Minimalist look of this place. Yeah, I hate it. It makes me it makes me uneasy, and I know that's
2: not necessarily the intent of this. It, it might, it's, might it, be a little. Well, I mean, it's to it, show you how unhinged he is. The extremes he lives his life by.
1: But even at that, it's it doesn't bother me in in necessarily in those ways. If you were to take a visual cue around the Black Lodge, there is very little wall space that is not covered by something it really I, isn't
2: i I'm a quantity and quality he's got behind the arcade on the left of the wall I'm facing toward the window that's the only blank spot where he could probably fit something and I'm ashamed he hasn't there there he's is failed. a poster that's
1: go, supposed to go there <laughs> and I just i I haven't uh rehung it before. I knew that I that
2: you had something there I just i or were planning. These damn cockroaches, like, I'm not afraid of cockroaches, but I'll give this, like, even though I say it's my least favorite, I'm not saying it's bad, but this would be Scott's probably pick for favorite, because it's the most inferior choice you could make.
1: Um, I'm going to say something that you may not agree with.
2: This is your favorite? This is not my favorite. Um, touch of evil again. But
1: in terms of what would probably be scary... To a general populace, this is probably the the
2: scariest. Oh yeah, I could see that. I mean, lots of people hate bugs, and, and it's just so weird that that's the only decoration that the Vitrola jukebox. Oh, by the way,
1: the the song that's playing at one point with it is the same closing credits from the original Evil Dead. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, it's that's just cool. like public domain uh, Victrola yeah. music. So on top of this guy being a, you know, a complete germaphobe, he also has
2: antiquated taste in music. I, will rejoice in I love what a dick he is, too. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. Oh, in he's, being he's the, great. Like, Max von Sydow would again, but I'd still probably be distracted by it being Max von Sydow. Like, that's that would This guy is just, he's just a dick. I, I know he's an actor in another other shit, but. I do have to keep hell hot for you, you son of a bitch. Speaking of the the,
1: the gentleman he's speaking with, uh, that's David Early playing the role of Mr. White, who uh, oddly enough, that, that was an yeah. intentional uh, thing with his name because the character is played by a black man. And there is, you know, at the very least, some v- general racist undertones, probably more class yeah. Distinction, but I mean, he's he's still not happy that this this uh, uppity black fellow is, you know, not helping him in the degree that uh, he wants to be helped. Uh, he had a small role in Dawn of the Dead, uh, Night Riders, Monkey Shines, uh, Dark Half, all of which were directed by George Romero. But he's also had roles in Silence of the Lambs and Innocent Blood. So uh, this little nothing role. Uh, probably one of the lesser roles for, for David Early.
2: Oh, it absolutely is. Um, I love that they put Monkey Shines on Shutter. I'm a bit fixed to make Sadie watch. I used to love that movie. <sighs> Monkey Shines is It's not it's, great. It's just fun.
1: Monkey Shines never quite lives up to the it's awesome VHS cover art. And
2: that's true, it does not.
1: But it is it is a surprisingly heartfelt movie at parts. Um it's yep. always an interesting choice for Uh, cause that's one of the studio films that Romero made. Like you would think like this guy who's his bread and butter is these, you know, kind of matter of fact, dark horror movies. And he makes a somewhat sentimental story of a paraplegic who has a, you know, a primate who is helping him get through his day
2: to day. If I ever wanted lottery, I'd have to pay some primatologist to train me a monkey assistant. Hopefully it wouldn't go as off the rails, but you know, you
1: can take the kids, but don't you take my money? <laughs> <I'm a monkey. laughs> so, roaches in of themselves don't freak me out. However, the idea of thousands of oh yeah, that's a, like they like I agree with you. That is nightmare fuel if there ever <laughs> was one. Uh, working in the haunted house industry, one of the things I can tell you unequivocally that I hear on a daily basis people will get to a certain part of our house which is co- which we colloquially call the cockroach hallway and it's just a hallway that's got a strobe light and there's cockroaches you know rubber cockroaches on the wall and the strobe makes it gives the illusion that they're moving people freak the fuck out right there and and it's just it's a it's got to be like a lizard brain uh evolutionary thing because we associate cockroaches with death because they feed upon decaying matter. And I think ultimately thematically what this story is, is about a person who has everything, but the inevitability of death is creeping up on him and it's in the title. They're creeping up on you. And the, the cockroaches are metaphorical for, yeah, he has all this money but even that money, he can't escape death. And he's went to these great lengths to, to put himself in this situation where he's able to uh sterilize everything to live in the, the the most perfect environment where he he has nothing that can harm him, yet death inevitably is going to come for him.
2: Eat his delicious bowl of goo. I
1: have to tell you, the fear of Bugs getting into my cereal is something that I, <laughs> that I, I I I legitimately have. I, pu- I as soon as I get cereal, I have a plastic container I pour it into, and it you know there's a <laughs> cap on there. I that is that will never happen to me. Several years ago, I had these two creepy ass ginger kids that lived next door to me. They were like the <laughs> the the kids from The Shining. I mean, they're like visually terrifying. And they would play right in front of my doorway out here in a little hallway in front of the Black Lodge. And one day, they found it necessary to get a bowl of ice cream, and they sat right in front of my fucking
0: door, and they played. <laughs> and they left
1: that bowl of ice cream. And the ants. And there was just a cacophony of thousands of those little tiny ants. And I freaked the fuck out because I was terrified that they, these ants were going to get into my house. And I have here in the Black Lodge. I have the things you plug into the outlets that send the pulses through the walls to deter them from coming in. So I, it is something I genuinely am worried about.
2: This this character is going to be you if you hit it. If you get successful enough in life, it's going to be you at sixty.
1: I'm not going to live till sixty. Be, oh, let's just be. Let's just be real. Be real.
2: I, I live a, a uh, an unhealthy Fast lifestyle. Fast food. Of, late nights. Cocaine and hooker lifestyle. Yeah, and uh, full birthday
1: cakes. Uh, I mean, you got to do leisure. that at least
2: once every couple of years. Just go get you. A, they can't stop you. That's true. They can't. And I also, just have you realized as a, realize a grown-up? I
1: intentionally have a birthday cake every year for my birthday. I do. But um, I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't eat a cake by myself uh, semi regularly. Uh, just the other day, I bought an entire thing of apple fritters. I, I took them to work. Oh, and, well, it was like I'm going to get apple fritters for everybody. And guess who ate every one of them? <laughs> Me. <laughs>
2: Uh oh, squash it kill it. All right here I love the, this. this. This is, is great. This is a good scene. It's
1: it is oh, this oh. is a legit thing that uh, New Yorkers and big big cities have to worry about if like uh, the power grid goes down, you have mass blackouts. Uh have you seen the show uh Only Murders in the Building?
2: I watched the first episode. I'm to finish it. I've just been like busy.
1: This most recent episode, uh they're they're in this building and they're they're dealing with, you know, this crime murder mystery and a fucking blackout happens and of course at the most inopportune time so it, it puts the characters into a, a dire situation and this possibility of a rolling blackout which is happening to Upson pratt right now has cataclysmic, uh you know ramifications because it's all of his electronic means of getting word to the outside world and you know the flashing thing of emergency power it, it's this is his worst nightmare both in terms of the cockroaches and not having the fail safes in place to be able to prevent these many things from happening.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, this uh, like that many cockroaches would definitely freak me the fuck out.
1: Yeah, I, I there was a show fear factor back in the day. I don't know I don't know how much our younger audience would remember it before joe rogan was king of podcasting he was on a terrible you know show on nbc or cbs yeah and you
2: do two scary stunts and the gross thing i only watched it for the gross shit and one of the things
1: they would do is that they would they would put you in a clear box and they would just cover you in cockroaches or snakes yeah things like that and uh, which was perfectly lampooned on Chappelle show. They have Tyrone <laughs> Biggins, yes. who uh, you know he he's fine with everything. I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> he he pulls
2: the the, the newspaper over, <laughs> yeah. eating I'm like take some nap. kind of like hog dick or like bull digger. Like this is not the first penis that has been in my mouth. <laughs> oh, I, just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I got this giant cracker rock. It'll keep us high
1: for hours. But you know, there there are people who would do that on purpose. But I, I think, in general, that this is a common phobia amongst just the general populace. This is this is not something that people would want to be a part of. So I think, on a visceral level, I understand why somebody would say this is the most effective of the. He's trying to
2: defend you, Scott. I, I mean, I, you're, I, you're wrong. Just, he and I don't the real know what'd be funny. It's like it's just like, no man, I like. Father's Day, it's good about cake, and I'd totally be fine with that. But, actually, he'll probably, just to really piss you like, I hate creep show. No. It's- no, this is, a this is, bi- it has bright colors to keep his simple mind busy and attention grabbed. This- I'm sorry I'm talking so much shit. I- I'm glad you do well. Hope you did good on your job interview. I'm still, I'm mad about Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, uh, fucking... Painkiller. I'm never going to get over. It. I love you. We love you, but we'll never forgive you for taking exactly. Uh, yeah, Speaking of painkiller, this motherfucker behind me. Yeah, ah. right here though. This is a great. I love his face and the 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 the, the kill scene. The kill I guess scene call it, is great. It
1: they <sighs> cockroaches do not work upon. Orders, They just kind of do whatever they wanted to do. Yep. And the amount of cockroaches they had to get for this was astronomical. <laughs> I've, I've heard and about that. They, and they had to pay. I can't remember. I didn't even write it down in my notes. I should have. But the the amount of money per pound for cockroaches was, it was like $3,000 or some ridiculous Damn, amount like that. That's so, where the budget went. So Legitimately, so much of the budget went to just getting all these cockroaches. And I, there is a really good documentary that they made about Creepshow. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I think it's, it's actually called Just Desserts, but I they really go into detail it. about how hard this, this segment of the movie was to shoot. And that looks real.
2: Yeah. This is a great,
1: this, these, that's, this is great. Great. Nah, that yeah. this shot is a little less real, but this okay, shot probably
2: did look better
1: than just pouring out of his orifices is, Oh, this is wonderfully disgusting.
2: See, the first time I saw this, I was all in the room like, oh, they're going to do that. It was all a dream bullshit. That's stupid. But then they did that. I'm like, I stand correct. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, that, that that's a visual right there. So
1: they uh, they had to, like, dump them through the vents and stuff to get them to, like, land in the ground because their natural inclination is to, to oh. run away and stuff. So we're coming up on our, our wrap-around segment, which creepy kind of ties Joe everything Hill. together. But we we also have some nice cameos right here. Um, I believe this is uh, uh, Tom Savini and John Amplis doing the the garbage man
2: here. Did you have comic books growing up? I no, I wasn't like my parents didn't say no. I wasn't. I honestly, I'm I'm a way bigger nerd. I'd read like fantasy novels and sci-fi and horror, but like like in the eleven or twelve, I did start reading DC Vertigo, like constant the Hellblazer comics that they did the Constantine shit from. I read that shit like fucking crack. That and Sandman and uh, Too Much Coffee Man. My. Um- my
1: dad one of the one of the positive things I can say about my biological father is he had a, a stack of like classic comics you know like from the 1970s and I inherited them but unbeknownst to my grandmother because she threw away I mean I mean hundreds and hundreds of comics and there were a few that survived and they were in this end table that she just never checked. So I had these comics and they were, you know, there were a lot of things from this era um, and things from the seventies. But one of them was this creepy fucking EC comic. And I don't remember it because I've, I've actually tried to find it for nostalgic reasons. I don't know the name of it, but the cover fucking terrified me. And it was like tales of ghastly horror or something like that. But it's this, this, image of like a wraith coming out of uh the grave and um having that and my grandmother found it and she threw it away oh and that was that was the
2: first inclination she was no good right. joe hill's going at a voodoo doll of his dad with a needle and he's such a good actor in this that i'm convinced that child's done that to a rat. So, poor, poor Joe Hill looks just like his dad now. But hey, he, but he is, he's he's a slightly handsome. I'm going to give Joe Hill this. He doesn't have the unibrow like his dad. And he doesn't have, like, his, his just face isn't as long. I don't know. It's like a more compact. He's, with a beard, Joe Hill can be considered an okay, average handsome looking guy. Not super, not Hollywood handsome, but like a hey, handsome all right guy. If I've seen him shaved, no. Grow uh, a fucking beard like your dad did. That was not an accident.
1: Uh, but Joe Hill plays the role of Billy, who's obviously Stephen King's son. Most recently... Uh, uh, he wrote the Black Phone, which is uh, a pretty good, uh, pretty film. good movie. Ethan Honk.
2: fucking amazing. Um, I think of, I, my problem with the movie it was overhyped. I do love it. It's I, a, I don't it's, know it's a it was, seven out. I, I heard too many people say, "Oh my god, it's the scariest fucking thing ever." No, it's a fun, entertaining, slightly suspenseful movie with a great villain.
1: I didn't think it was scary. No, um, there's a one I, good I jump did, scare. It w- it's one of those movies where. It's not really what it is that they're promoting it as, and that, that's the and that's the problem. That's another so there's thing. I-
2: incorrect expectations. My heart kind of broke at the end when he talked to the last person. I'm like oh, says buddy. We have
1: uh, Eva Jean Saccharini as playing Billy's mother. Um
2: a little more than Her we... only payment for this movie was to actually get to fuck Tom Atkins. Oh. She didn't that's all she has. It, She's it, like Tom Atkins. She to face me, away. I can't accept money. She
1: had to face away. He, there were there was no eye contact, <laughs> and there was a sheet in between them.
2: Uh, <laughs> but like, that was enough for her.
1: Well, yeah. Well, she wanted more, but Tom Tom was on a busy schedule during that time, and obviously Tommy's father, mustacheless Tom Atkins. I don't like Tom Atkins without a mustache. I don't either. But you know, we've already covered the ins and outs as to whether or not. I think the fog's
2: uh, the only thing good he's in without a mustache. Well, and even a that's diss. a flawed master. A it's diss. a flawed man. I'm okay, but he's minor to it. He's like the only he his lack of mustache and therefore greatly decreases the sex appeal in this movie. When you remove Tom
1: Atkins' mustache, his bush grows. <laughs> he, he keeps the same amount of hair; it just displaces to a different part of his body. That's that's Atkins fact number one sixteen. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> All right. Overall verdict on Creep Show? Oh, nine out of ten. Fucking love it. It's not scary, but it's incredibly no. fun. The, this it's just a a well made, crafted film of little tidbits of these fun stories that are slightly interwoven with each other. And um, I I really should have pointed out the times the other the other parts of where the ashtray the ashtray is next to Jordy Verrill and his stand. It's uh somewhere in ups and Pratt's uh, sex dungeon I don't know what you call it is uh, is a clinical uh, studies department and um, it's uh, on like next to the uh, chess board I think in um, the crate in the crate either way um, nice little through line whether you realize it or not I, I love creep show It is legitimately. One of my favorite films of all time. Uh, it's just a movie that I saw repeatedly as a kid. I uh, wore that VHS copy out, and I know that if I'm in a bad mood and I want to watch something that's going to cheer me up, Show absolutely does it. I absolutely agree. So, I think that's going to wrap us up um, for August. We'll be back real, real soon to satiate all your horror, cult, and exploitation needs. Till then, the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast can be found on social media at Rant's Black Lodge. So please go give us a follow. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Don't forget to stop by our homepage at JuicyKruger.com. And for the love of Cthulhu, buy a t-shirt, a sticker, or a mug from our web store at RantArmy.com. For Fat Tony,
0: I'm Brandon A. Lane. Till next month, Rant Army, keep marching.